You talking about football? Yeah, football, NFC, North. Now let's talk football. Welcome back. This is Headed North, an NFC North podcast, and I'm your host, Detron. And this week, the Chicago Bears went into Washington, gave us a commanding performance, and got their first win of the year. The Detroit Lions look absolutely dominant in the Motor City against the Carolina Panthers. Unfortunately, it's about to get cold in Minnesota after finding out that there was a big injury to the wide receiving core that might have Justin Jefferson out for multiple weeks. And did you guys hear that the Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys switched quarterbacks? No? Well, you could have fooled me because Jordan Love looked just like Dak Prescott in primetime Monday Night Football against the Raiders. That can't be good. We're going to dive into that and more as soon as we tell you guys about our sponsor for the week. Our sponsor this week is OffRackShop.com. OffRackShop.com is an online thrift store. They have men's and women's clothing, shoes, accessories, and more. Usually about 300 items to choose from. So if you haven't already, check out our description for 15% off your next purchase at OffRackShop.com. And this week, we're going to get the show started the same way that the NFL got their week kicked off. And that's with the Chicago Bears versus the Washington Commanders. And big news, everybody. The Chicago Bears are no longer winless. Chicago went into Washington and put together their first full game. Now, they did have the performance against Denver where they came out really hot, but they just weren't able to close that one out. But not this week. They were able to put it together for four straight quarters and most people including this show wrote the Chicago Bears off coming into this week with Washington because Washington was looking good they were looking hot they had uh, Sam Howell who was looking like a solid mid-tier quarterback in his prior performances Um, and then if you look back at Chicago's performance against KC and it being a short week it just looked like all of the factors were against the Chicago Bears but you know what if you have DJ Moore and Justin Fields on your fantasy team from this past week, and you started them, you gotta feel confident when you were going into Sunday because they put up a true, like, number one, number two performance. Justin Fields were 15 for 29, 282 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a QBR of 125, which is whoa for Justin Fields. Uh, DJ Moore was the real story, though. This is why I and so many other people were excited about getting DJ Moore for the Chicago Bears in the offseason. It was this kind of performance. Uh, He caught eight on his 10 uh, targets, 230 yards, and three touchdowns. And 130 of those yards were yards after the catch. DJ Moore's yak is crazy. All you got to do is get him the ball. And that's basically what we've been screaming since the beginning of the season. Just get DJ the ball. There were a lot of folks telling the Bears to sell high on Justin Fields. I mean, his performance Thursday should have done enough to back off the doom and gloomers just a bit, but let's not lose sight. Justin Fields is still 6-20 as a starter, and with the Vikings, Ravens, and Chargers on the slate, the future could get a little rocky in Chicago, but I don't see them moving on from Fields because he is still very talented. That was clear uh, from Thursday's performance. On a personnel front, Herbert is out with an ankle injury and he's expected to miss multiple weeks. 
And surprisingly enough, Chicago was able to find a new home for Chase Claypool. They're shipping him to Miami uh, for a 2025 six-round pick. And that's actually not a bad trade, right? Uh, you got something out of the Claypool deal when you thought you were going to have to just release him. So being able to get any kind of asset off of him is a huge win. I mean, this was a trade. The trade for Claypool was a bad one to begin with. They gave up valuable assets. And I mean, they just lucked out, honestly, that they were able to get something in return. Uh, this was one of the few regrettable decisions from the Ryan Pohl tenure. Uh, but you know what? Currently, He's lining up to get the first and second pick in the draft for next year. That is, if they don't improve and if the Carolina Panthers continue to play how they're playing, that could make everyone forget about the whole Chase Claypool thing in about four to five months and really be looking at the future of Chicago. But I'm not going to write off their whole season, but it's looking pretty dark right now. But big win for Chicago Bears on Thursday night football, prime time. Glad to see DJ and Justin Fields link up for that performance. Next, we're going to talk about the Detroit Lions. And I must say, my Detroit Lions came out and had a dominant performance, right? They were at home. They're playing the Carolina Panthers. I told you guys, I don't know, several episodes back and again last week that this was somewhat of a revenge game. Carolina had Detroit last year in Carolina, and they put up a lot of yards on the ground, over 100 yards for two different running backs in that performance. So Detroit did not want to come out and have another poor showing like they did in Carolina. And they made sure to get it started early. Pretty much from the onset, Detroit was in control. They put up back-to-back 14-point quarters, uh, and then they kept the Panthers to only 10 points in the first half. A scoreless third quarter for both teams and then another 14-point performance for both squads in the fourth quarter gave the Lions a comfortable win. Uh, The Lions' performance was impressive, um, but it was made even more impressive by the fact that they were missing Amon Rossi Brown, rookie running back Jameer Gibbs, and they got limited production from Jamison Williams, who had recently returned last week. I mean, this meant that there needed to be contributions all over the field, and that's exactly how they won. Jared Goff spread the ball out to eight different receivers. Goff was 20 for 28, 236 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. A very solid performance from Jared Goff, and it gave the Detroit Lions all the momentum they need to steamroll the Carolina Panthers in this game. Another big game from David Montgomery, who's been on fire since returning from injury. Another 100-yard performance and 20 more yards in the air. I mean, golf continues to show a strong connection with Reynolds, who's played with him in LA. He's shown a strong connection with Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end. Got himself two touchdowns, including a reverse sweet flea flicker that worked Perfectly, And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you've seen the videos floating around the internet, but San Francisco ran that exact same play and it worked exactly the same way on the Dallas Cowboys. So great play design done by the the Lions earlier in the day uh, and worked for Sam Laporta to get one of those touchdowns. This game was not close and didn't feel close. The Carolina Panthers definitely appeared to be just outmatched. The Lions also have a pretty favorable stretch of games ahead of them. 
Now, there may be a challenge here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Baker Mayfield has played well, but they have the Buccaneers, the Ravens, who weren't able to put it together in the last moments against the Steelers, and the Raiders, who barely squeaked by the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football. So, You know, there's a share of ups and downs for all of these teams. The Lions have been fairly consistent up until this point in the season. So hopefully looking to go at least two and one in this stretch. But there's a real chance to go three and oh and put the Lions at seven and one after this stretch of three games. And next up, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. And please stop me if you've heard this one before. Kirk Cousin throws for nearly 300 yards. Justin Jefferson doesn't find the end zone. Uh, there's multiple fumbles in the game. One of them is lost on the opening drive to set the opponent up for good field position. Alexander Madison had another game with less than 50 yards. And the Vikings end up losing another one-score game. The Minnesota Vikings are clearly big fans of Blockbuster because they keep rewinding back the same movie every week. What is going on in Minnesota? The offense was dragging all game. Kirk Cousins was 29 for 47, two touchdowns, no picks. And I mentioned the fumble. Kirk actually got his fumble back, though. There was less than 75 total yards across five different players on the ground. And the receiving performances were just average across the board. The defense was able to dial up two sacks on Patrick Mahomes, but no picks. They gave up one score on the ground and two in the air to Mahomes, making him two and one against the NFC North this year. But losing this week's game is compounded by the fact that they also lost their star receiver, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is is said to be headed to injury reserve for the next four weeks with a leg injury. That is going to be rough. Now think about this. Their next four games, uh, Chicago, San Francisco, Green Bay, and Atlanta. That's two divisional games and a game against a powerhouse in San Francisco. That is going to be a huge loss for the Minnesota Vikings to try to bounce back from. And there's also some other things to consider about Justin Jefferson going down, right? And him not having a, a desire to rush back. He had contract negotiations with Minnesota. Those fell through. They didn't go as planned. Uh, They aren't winning right now. Who knows the future of the quarterback situation with Kirk Cousins? If this season is tanking, if you're Justin Jefferson, would you rush back? I don't think so. If you don't have a chance to win the division, make the playoffs, I would focus on my health, especially because he is an absolute talent in the league and he is the future. So he's got to consider himself. So going on injury reserve sort of points to the fact that Minnesota might be throwing the towel in early. We'll we'll stay tuned to that, and hopefully that's not the case because I'd love to see the division be competitive. But this injury is going to play a massive role in whether or not the Minnesota Vikings can be successful. And lastly, we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Now, Green Bay Packers fans, if you are listening to this broadcast and you've got to this point, you may want to cover your ears Because I'm about to say something that could be considered unsettling. Jordan Love looked like Dak Prescott last night in Monday night's primetime game against the Raiders. Ooh, that gives you chills. Have your quarterback compared to Dak Prescott. 
There is no reason that Jordan Love should have had a QBR of 32. Jordan Love went 16 for 30, 182 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, including one at the end of the game in the end zone toward an underthrown Christian Watson. Now, Christian Watson only had three catches all game. One really big one for like 77 yards. That was the highlight of the passing performances coming from Jordan Love. (sighs) He looked like Dak Prescott from Sunday night's game against the 49ers. I think Dak Prescott might have even had a 52 QBR. Sorry, Green Bay fans. It's going to be a rough year. There were two bright spots in this game for Green Bay's offense. A.J. Dillon finally cracked 75 yards on the ground, and he got a touchdown, which were both firsts for A.J. from this year. And the other bright spot was the 77-yard reception for Christian Watson that I mentioned. A key play on that uh, drive, though, was Marcus Peters saved a touchdown on that Christian Watson catch by horse-collar tackling him at the six-yard line, which after the penalty put them on the three-yard line. But even from the three-yard line, Green Bay was unable to punch it into the end zone and end up settling for a field goal. It was just hard to watch. Other than those two highlights on offense, the performances for Green Bay was just average. I was... I was more interested in watching the havoc that was Max Crosby on that defensive line for the Raiders, the two interceptions for Spillane, and and honestly, Green Bay's defense was putting in effort to try to offset the lack of production from the offense, but it just, it didn't, it didn't work. All of that being said, Green Bay was still in the game at the end. They had two shots uh, toward the end of the game to be able to put together drives that could get them a winning score. And again, I told you already that the way it ended was tossing the ball in the end zone, underthrown toward Christian Watson and getting picked off. They had time to run another short play. They were going for it on fourth down anyway. So they could have thrown a short pass, captured some of those yards back, and then went for it on fourth down to try to continue the drive, potentially setting themselves up for one more play toward the end zone. But instead... You throw a 50-50 ball, which was more like a 70-30 ball for the Raiders. It's tough, man. It's it's tough watching that performance. And again, for a second week in a row, Jordan Love looked like a deer in the headlights when it was time to perform. Like he didn't know how to put it together. That is got to be a depressing look for uh, Green Bay Packers fans. I know I'm piling on, but... Again, in prime time with the whole NFL world watching, you got to put together a better performance than that. And you got to complete some more passes to your top receiver. You've got to shoot some screens Christian Watson's way, place that ball better, um, trying to jam it in a couple of windows is how Jordan Love got it intercepted in the first place. A couple of tip passes uh, to get interceptions. So I, I... Definitely think that he needs to slow it down and he'll get a chance to slow it down because this upcoming week they are on a bye. So after coming off of the bye week, they're going to end up going to Mile High in Denver to play the Broncos and then they'll have the Justin Jefferson-less Vikings 
at home in Green Bay. So they've got a chance to to win their next two games after coming off of a bye week. But there's definitely a lot of dialogue that's going to have to happen between LaFleur and Jordan Love about how you perform in these uh, high-pressure situations, especially when you're on the national stage. All right, so I don't know how your bets across the spread went. If you were listening to the show, we may or may not have misled you just a bit in our picks for the week. But I'll tell you, Matt is back to see if we can get a repeat of not last week, but the week before where we actually made you some money on these spreads. So Matt, let's run down spreading the field. This is Matt, your resident Vikings fan. And this is spreading the field. Now, last week we came on here and we were celebrating our first parlay hit of the season. We went perfect, 100%, top of the world. Yeah, and then this week happened and Detron, we did not do well this week. My picks went one for four, 25% on the week, 60% on the year. Let's real quick rehash last week. We're going to start with the one thing we got right. It won't take us long because the right category is pretty small this week. But Lions minus nine. And this was an easy pick. Vegas is not uh, respecting the Lions this year. I feel like what the Lions are giving them to cover. I don't know if it's because historically the Lions have not been the team they are this year. But we'll keep an eye on this trend and see what lines they get going forward because Detroit has looked legitimate this year. And this was a huge statement win, 42-24 over the Panthers. I know the Panthers are not good, but the way the Lions won showed the Panthers are not good and Detroit is for real. I think there's a clear line between Detroit and the rest of the division this year. So let's keep an eye, though, on the Vegas lines and see where that falls because we may be able to get a lot of solid lines out of Detroit the rest of the year until Vegas makes that jump. The three games, though, that we got wrong, we'll go chronologically. Thursday night, Commanders minus seven. Uh, The Bears have looked super inconsistent. I almost made this my lock of the week. I think the Bears must have listened and heard that we don't have much faith in them. Either that or they just found out that DJ Moore plays for their team because they exploded on offense. They have a big win, 40-20 to 20 over the Commanders, and they just obliterate the parlay coming right out of the gates on Thursday night this week. The second game, the Vikings were five-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the Chiefs. I thought the Vikings would use this game to clean up their turnovers, show everyone that their record is not ref- – a true reflection of how good they are as a team with all the weapons they have. Unfortunately, none of that happened. They, I mean, fumble first possession out of the game. They couldn't get off the field on defense. They couldn't finish off the drives on offense. Now, they did play close against the Chiefs, 27-20, but in the end, it's still a loss. The Vikings go to 1-4, and four, but the worst part for anybody out there that watched the game was the very end of the game. Jefferson comes off with a hamstring injury, and now for the Vikings, that is a – four-week injury as Minnesota places him on IR. So for the next four games, there's no Justin Jefferson. So we will definitely have to keep an eye on that as we make picks going forward. And then on Monday Night Football, my lock of the week, the Packers, minus two and a half on Las Vegas. I, I know it was on the road. I know the Packers haven't looked great for a full game yet, but I thought Vegas was a bad enough team that the Packers would be able to put three-fourths of a game together look solid, come out as the clear number two team in the NFC North this year, but none of that happened. The Raiders did not look good, but the Packers didn't look good either. And unfortunately, Love throws three interceptions, including the one at the end of the game to uh, give the ball back to Las Vegas and end that game. This was a tough game if you're a Green Bay fan because it was a very winnable game with the way the Raiders played. We'll see if they can bounce back. They've got a bye week this week, so we'll definitely have to pay attention to who they're playing off the bye in two weeks. But this is a good time after that game to regroup, kind of figure stuff out, see what you can tweak, and see if they can get that rolling this year. Because 
besides the Lions, the North is wide open for anybody who wants to challenge for that second spot this year. Now, now that we've got last week taken care of, let's jump ahead. Only two games to pick this week, so not a lot of room for error here. We're either going to have a good week this week or we're going to be back in the basement again this week. Um, like I said just a second ago, Packers on a bye, so no game to pick for Green Bay. Vikings and Bears play each other this week, so we've got a divisional game. And I don't know if this line came out before the Jefferson news, but right now the Vikings are favored by two and a half points going to Soldier Field. Uh, I think this game will be close. I don't think the Vikings are going to get blown out or that they will blow out the Bears. But the Bears are going to be honoring Dick Buckus at home for uh, their first game back at home since he passed away. A legend for that team. I think there's going to be a huge crowd there. It's going to create a big atmosphere for Chicago. They're already going to be excited coming off that huge win over the Commanders. And the Vikings just historically do not do well in Soldier Field. Uh, so this week, I know they're, I know it's not what I want to happen, but I'm going to take the Bears minus or plus two and a half. Take the Bears as home underdogs right now, plus two and a half. Vikings may win this game, but even if the Vikings win, this game will end up being close. Uh, as we've seen all year, that is the M.O. for a Vikings game. They are going to either win or lose by one possession, and this year, for the most part, it's been losses. So hopefully they turn that around, but expect this game to be close and a hard-fought game in Soldier Field. Our second game, and this is going to be the lock of the week, the Lions going down to Tampa Bay. And if you remember what I said about Vegas, they only have the Lions favored by three points. And I know the Buccaneers are off to a decent start, but I honestly believe the Lions are one of the best teams in the NFC this year with the defense they have. They have a very good offense with Jamison Williams coming back to complement the rest of them. If they can get healthy on offense, they're going to be very scary. But regardless, even if the Lions are banged up on offense this year, defense travels, and the Lions' defense is built to have a huge year this year. Jump on Lions minus three as soon as you can. I think the Lions comfortably win this game as well. Going back over the Lions games this year, their average is 10 and a half points for a margin of victory. So the Lions only have to cover three, and all games this year combined average out to 10 and a half points. I think this is great value. I think the Lions come out and have another strong, no doubt win in Tampa. Detron. That's my picks this week. Bears, plus two and a half. Lions, minus three. Thanks for having me on. Until next week, Skull. All right, thanks again, Matt, for those picks for spreading the field. Hopefully you guys get those picks in soon so you can take advantage of those lines today. And that's our show. As always, I appreciate you showing up for the show. And if you decide to come back, which I hope you do, make sure you got your bags packed because we are headed north. I'm Detron. Peace. You talking about football? Yeah, football, NFC, North. Let's talk football.